0: To Start Canada Podcast, where we interview startup founders, innovators, and thought leaders from the heart of Canada who are challenging the status quo, scaling their business, and bringing new ideas to life. Tune in with me, your host Margot Miller, to hear firsthand exactly how they did it. Start Canada Podcast is powered by the Manitoba Technology Accelerator and Tech Manitoba, and sponsored by Scotiabank. In the next episode, we speak with Chris Schmidt, most recently the CEO and co-founder of Pluto Ventures, a venture-backed artificial intelligence company. To be more specific, Pluto Ventures is a unique business leveraging the hyper-personalized online world that we engage with daily, from your Amazon homepage to the ads that you see on Instagram. At Pluto, they believe that your body-dimensional data are a crucial component to customizing goods and services. So they created a tool that captures your body-dimensional data and then uses that information to enhance existing services and create entirely new offerings. And the best part? He is speaking for the first time ever about what Pluto Ventures has been creating over the last three years right here on our show. So be sure to tune in to the full episode to find out exactly what they've been up to. Essentially, what I can tell you now is that these guys are at the forefront of our online experience. And how do I know that? Well, the founder, Chris Schmidt, is a pretty unique young guy. He started his first business at the age of 10, and right after university, he founded the world's first Snapchat filter company, Geofilter Studio. In case you didn't realize who was behind your first Snapchat filters, let me tell you a little more. Geofilter Studio exploded at an unprecedented rate of 24,000% and grew to 85 employees over the first year. They were the fastest-growing company in all of Canada in 2017 and became the largest filter producer in the world. In this episode, the CEO and founder, Chris Schmidt, speaks about his innate entrepreneurial nature how to build a strong workplace culture, and what it's like to be creating modern, some may say millennial or Gen Z tech solutions. So if you want to know what's next in startup tech, be sure to tune into this episode of Start Canada Podcast with Chris, the founder of Geofilter Studio, Pluto Ventures, and more. Chris, welcome to Start Canada Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: We gave you a pretty big intro to our show today because you've done a lot of different things. And I didn't even mention four of the six businesses you started before the age of 25. So give us a bit of a run through. What the heck have you been up to?
1: Yeah, I started really young. Um, I started when I was 10, started my first company, um, and that was a mixture of a lawn care business uh, and a tree banding service. And I began to go up and down the street, talking to neighbors, seeing if they want this service. uh, And that company grew over the next 13 years. Um, the, The tree banding company is actually still operating today. We're going into our 19th season. Uh, 18th season. What
0: kid sorts of business um, that still exists today? Come on.
1: It's, uh, it's one of those slow and steady growing companies <laughs> that um, is doing great uh, for the city in terms mm-hmm. of uh, helping the trees um, stay healthy, and it's a company that I want to keep continuing to grow um, for many many decades.
0: Awesome. Okay, so then after that, then what?
1: Yeah, so I, I did go to university. Uh, I got a science degree, a true biochem physics, you know, science degree, not a computer science degree. And um, I was planning to go into medicine. And my whole family they're all they're all physicians, and I thought that was the uh, right choice for myself. Um, however, I decided uh, when I was at university to start a company there as well, which facilitated the exchange of textbooks. So it was called the Mute Store, the Manitoba University textbook exchange store. Uh, And this is, you know, kind of before the Kijiji's and Craigslist uh, for facilitating textbook exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've made this website at university. Um, So I've been building web companies and and different uh, websites uh, for about 18 years now.
0: Wow. Okay. And then now we come to today, you've got some really exciting new businesses. Before we get to those, I'm kind of curious, like this has brought you a little bit of attention in Winnipeg, of course, like, you know, young men, many businesses doing these really cool things. And we talked a little bit in your bio at the beginning about Geofilter Studio, this big company, but what's that felt like kind of getting attention from a young age for these businesses that you've created?
1: It was kind of interesting for the first probably 12 or 13 years, um, no one knew about me. I was kind of under the radar, under a rock, building these companies. I wasn't looking for, uh, you know, um, any notoriety in that sense. Um, And then with my previous company before Pluto Ventures, so Geofilter Studio, the Snapchat filter company, uh, someone sort of leaked to the media that I was building this company. uh, And that was really the first time that um, I was, you know, sort of, I had a news article and I was sort of, you know, put into the public eye. Mm -hmm. That was when I was 22. Um, And to kind of give you a, 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 kind of a sense of where we were at that company at that point. Um, I had 85 employees at that point. So uh, it was about a year and a half into the company. Uh, and then the Winnipeg Free Press kind of got this insider information that this was happening. And that was really the first time that people found out about me. So mm. uh, I've been doing this long, long, long before uh, anyone really noticed.
0: Yeah. Give our, give our listeners to a sense of what that means at 22 to be managing 85 employees. Like, Was it genuinely you at the top of the company
1: and just you? <laughs> Yeah, it was, um, I I was, I was naive. I thought managing people would be easy. Um, and then I kind of got slapped in the face really quickly that, uh, it's, the most difficult part of a business is managing people. yeah, uh, and I learned so many life lessons very, very quickly. Um, and I definitely had other individuals at the company that that helped and were were part of you know building that company. yeah, uh, but at the end of the day, when when you're the boss, when you're at the top of the chain, um everything that goes well is because of you, and everything that goes wrong is also because of you. So you're the last person people point fingers to, and you have to be okay with that,
0: yeah what's it like dealing with that at a young age when someone does point the finger at you? Did you have mentors or people to help along the way?
1: Um, not really. And that's kind of one of the odd scenarios where, um, I believe mentors are, um, amazing. I think, I think they can provide so much value, but when I grew up, I was never in a setting where there were mentors to look at mm-hmm. my family. They would talk about medical mm-hmm. stuff and, and, and uh, around the dinner table, uh, we were not talking business. So, um, most of what I I learned was either through YouTube or watching videos or just whatever I learned online. Yeah. Uh, But there wasn't really one individual that I can point to that really, you know, helped me along and... um, but now I've 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 got quite a few mentors that help.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, speaking of your family, though, and kind of the things they talked about and looked at, I want to use this analogy of, you know how now when we watch NHL hockey players that are really good, and you, you see them in interviews and they say, yeah, like, I was always the kid. You know, sheepishly, they'll say, I was always the kid who was way better than everybody else, right? Like, they knew when at a young age, every, parents could watch them and see. It, did something like that happen for you with business? Like, would other parents look at you as a kid starting these businesses and go, Wow, that kid's got something that my that other kids don't have.
1: Um yes and no. Okay. I I never really told anyone that I was ever doing these businesses. So, um, I was, you know, I I, was, I played lots of sports growing up and, and I was, you know, at tons of friends and and I would never tell them that I had these these companies on the side. So, it was kind of humorous um in, in my early 20s and mid-20s, when people started to find out about my previous history of companies, I had some really good friends that I had known for, you know, 10, 12, 13 years that would message me and say, like, I had no idea you were doing this when, you know, when you were 14. Like, they, they had no idea about it. So, right. um, yeah, I, I guess I was never really too um, showy or flashy. So no one really found out about them.
0: Yeah, What do you think your parents would tell other parents now if they saw those qualities in their child? Like, what advice would they have if you're raising a kid who seems to have these instincts?
1: I think uh, they would say to support it and encourage it. Yeah. And um, that's what they have done uh, my whole life. Mm -hmm. And that was really the big reason I did not go into medicine is because they actually encouraged me uh, to... um, When I was building companies, when I was still in school and studying, um, they kind of said when you aren't studying bio- biochemical pathways, you're building businesses for fun on a Saturday night. So they sort of just said, you know, what would happen if you spent all your time building a company? And they really encouraged me to try that. Uh, and then within a year, I had 85 employees. Wow, okay,
0: so they were really supportive. That sounds Super really supportive. great. supportive, yes. Yeah. And now today, so you've had all these different businesses over the years, how do you stay focused on one idea? Because it's clear you're young yeah. and you're doing all these things that your brain's going many directions.
1: Yeah, I have every day a million ideas that I would love to do. And it's the hardest thing is to focus on one because that will lead to the best results for success. So I think being aware that I have to focus and realizing that I have a lot of ideas actually makes it easier to focus because I am self-aware that that is potentially a, an issue for entrepreneurs.
0: Interesting. What what kind of learner are you then? Like, are you someone who can really focus or what do you do
1: to learn? Yeah, I get... Um, I get quite obsessive of when I don't know something, I do want to learn everything about that. So for instance, the first time I had to do corporate taxes, um, I went to YouTube and I just started watching video after video after video about people doing corporate taxes. And even to this day, and my accountant can attest to this, I ask him millions and millions of questions because I want to learn everything I can about accounting and taxes. Um, And when I have a accountant or a lawyer or these professionals that are willing to help me, um, that's actually a big reason why I know how to do many of these things is mm-hmm. because I've learned from other people. Um, and I'm, a, I'm obsessive of how do I know absolutely everything uh, in that field?
0: Yeah. and And with everything you've learned, you've been asked to do a million presentations at this point, especially since, you know, like you were yeah. saying, once the attention kind of was out there that you were this guy who's had this, all these successes, right? The business we're going to talk about soon with Geofilter Studio that you sold already mm-hmm. um, at a young age. So what's that like being asked to do a bunch of presentations? And and again, how do you balance that with actually getting the work done?
1: It, it's It's been a fun change. So um, in the last two, three years now, I've done over 100 presentations. Uh, And then before that, I had done zero for for in in terms of my business career. So it happened really quick. As soon as I did the first one, they just started to happen or enroll in the emails and the messages. And I really enjoy it. I I really enjoy being able to give back uh, to talk to whether it's high school students, university students, um, anyone in between. And what my what I try to do is I just try to be really, um, I guess, real and explain what I have done and the struggles I've had and, and the, um, the challenges of building companies. And I, uh, it, it's, it's been, COVID actually has been a nice um, slowdown period where I was, I was at the point where I was doing two or three presentations a week before COVID. And now I've been able to actually um, slow that down and, and kind of get some more work done
0: yeah that makes sense we're in this natural kind of time okay and during this time you've been building this amazing business and we're going to talk all about pluto ventures and your big announcement of what you guys have been up to but before we get there because we're going chronologically here just to give people a sense of what you've been doing tell me about the very first business that you sold Mm -hmm. so this is one you know that really grew which was every studio and geofilter studio kind of sub brands of one another this was your first acquired business You the accolades under this business I can like I have here in case we want to list them off. Can you give us the big ones? Like what happened with that business?
1: GeoFilter Studio was basically a fluke. It was never intended to be what it became. Okay. So I was watching a a YouTube video of Gary Vaynerchuk, and he was uh, telling about a new feature on Snapchat where anyone can make Snapchat filters. And I thought, oh, that would be an interesting way to make. Uh, a little bit of money, just like a little bit. I was working on another project. Uh, I wanted some funding for it, so I thought I would make a few filters, just a few, and then I'd go back to my other project. We never went back to the other project. So we started to make uh, Snapchat filters, and it was, just a def- it was just the true definition of being in the right spot at the right time. So we grew, uh, as you mentioned, 24,000% in the first year. uh, And within 12 months, I had 85 employees to keep track of. Mm -hmm. Um, By the end of that company, after three years, we had made uh, 100,000 Snapchat filters that had about six or seven billion views on them. You sort of lose lose track after the first billion.
0: Yeah, right. But but it's about six or seven
1: billion. Um, And what was really exciting about that company was we were part of the most intimate moments of people's lives. So weddings, first birthdays, uh, funerals, we would make filters for everything Mm -hmm. uh, on that side and then the corporate side. Give people
0: a sense of that too, right? Just so they understand if they haven't really used Snapchat or use these filters. Like I was giving someone an example earlier saying, you know, when you go to a bomber game and you show up there and now because you're physically in that geographic area, you can get the bomber filter. that's the kind of stuff you could customize and create for special occasions or events for people, right? So you were doing some of that kind of custom stuff as opposed to just let me look like a fairy in my Snapchat, right? Yes, yes. It was
1: those custom events. We did every bomber game, uh, every event in Winnipeg, we did that. Right. Um, And then, yeah, every new... McDonald's opening, Starbucks opening, when you're at that location, you take a, a snap, a video, or a photo, and you overlay that digital element. Right. That was designed in Winnipeg. So if you've ever used or seen any Snapchat filter, they came from Winnipeg.
0: Anywhere in the world?
1: Anywhere in the world. Okay. Yes. We had le- one of the fun stats is we had less than 1% Canadian sales, and we did every event in Canada. So we were mostly US, overseas, Australia, U- Europe, everywhere yep. else.
0: Yeah, and that's such an amazing story. I think this is, you know, part of the reason we started this show because so often there's amazing products and services coming out of the prairies, coming out of Canada that people are using, and they have no idea they came from here. And this is, you know, the guy I'm talking to who's created some of these. We
1: have amazing talent in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so keep telling me that story a little bit. So you're you know, you've got billions of you of users. you've got you were even used in a Google like case study that they still use to this day to showcase like some of the positive things that you created. what what else?
1: yeah the uh, the, the driving force from the digital marketing as- uh, marketing aspect was the Google ad campaign that I just put together. and um, long story short is that Google one day essentially called me and said, uh, do you realize how good your campaign is?" And I said, like, I know it's good because it's working, but they basically said it's the best campaign ever. So (laughs) they use that campaign at Google as the case study for how to build Google ad campaigns. Mm -hmm. Um, But once again, there was nothing magical or special I did. I just made the campaign and we're in the right spot at the right time. Um, And it just, it just worked. So, um, yeah, and we we made the first um, augmented reality face filter on Facebook for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, We worked with Apple and and, um, uh, on their AR platform, augmented reality platform. So, yeah, we did a lot of fun projects.
0: And now that you were explaining to us how quickly that business kind of came about and how it was this kind of interesting pivot that happened as you you thought yep. it would be for fun. Because of the nature of how it happened, my understanding is you actually didn't have any need for investment up front and you never did. Yum. Talk to us a little bit about that because that's pretty impressive, I think, to people listening.
1: And I think there's an assumption that all fast-growing companies are just given a, a sack of cash right. and then you just grow quickly. And, uh, Geofilter studio is a great example of that is not the case. And on day one, we were cash positive. We made $20 on the first filter that we designed. Um, and we just grew and, and we just, I, I built a business model that actually made money and I built a cycle that when we were able to basically fund our own company with our own money. And so it gives us full control of the company and, um, I didn't have to report to anyone. It gives you the freedom to build a company without having to report to investors. So yeah, we had we had no investments. We had no debt. Um, and we always paid payroll. We never missed payroll. And we paid everyone from day one. So um, it was a company that generated money from day one.
0: Was there a point with that business where you thought, wow, I might do this forever or for a really long time?
1: <sighs> Honestly, no. Um, because it wasn't... It was great, don't get me wrong, it was amazing, but it wasn't what I thought I would be doing for 20 years. I didn't I didn't plan to be running mm-hmm. um, a design. At the end of the day, it was more of a design agency. Uh, I wasn't planning to run a design agency um, for 20 years. And that company got to such a efficient point about two years in where I could 100% leave forever and it would just keep running. So it was at that point where I realized my work here is done and I should probably move on.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. So then, okay, at the point where you think maybe it's right that I move on because this didn't grow from like a seed of passion that I want to do forever. Did you have to seek out someone looking to acquire you at that point? Were there people knocking on your door? What was that experience?
1: When you build a company where the numbers look good, and it's the the value that you're providing is is obvious, and you don't have to explain overly explain what you do. Um, you have people that message you and, and look at opportunities for either them to expand their existing services um, or to increase their top line revenue. There's so many applications when you build a company that actually generates money and provides value. That uh, there's a lot of people that are interested. So uh, over the years, we we had actually dozens of, of offers and people interested in taking the company. Um, but for me, that process at the end of the day, I wanted to make sure that it was the right decision for the team and the company. Um, so selling the company to someone in the U S that would take the, the IP and everyone's job would be lost. Didn't make sense to me. So I would never do that. So mm. it was really that, that was kind of the core aspect is what makes sense for the company and the people at the company.
0: Right, it's really interesting that even though this was like a quick business for you in a way, wasn't what it was intended. You still had that kind of essence at heart of really protecting the people in yeah. it.
1: Yeah, You have employees that show up every day at nine a.m. Um, and you have to make sure that you um, you know take care of them, mm-hmm. and they're there um, working for you. And at my met- my kind of methodology is uh, it's actually the opposite. I'm there working for them. I'm the one. Taking out the garbage, you right. keep working, you keep doing what your what you're best job In Your niche
0: special skill that's yeah, helping you. Yeah. Your
1: skill to what you do. Uh, let me take the garbage out. You keep keep working. So I'm really there to, to serve them um, at the end of the day.
0: Can you tell us, Chris, at the time that the business was sold,
1: what it was valued at? I have not told anyone. No. I've actually not even told uh, the hard number to like friends or family. And um, I never was doing it for the money. What I say to that question is, um, I can I have the luxury, and um, I'm fortunate to now be able to spend the rest of my life doing what I want, which is continuing to build companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't um, uh, you know, I don't take that for granted,
0: yeah, okay. That makes sense. And then the acquisition process itself, Did it last a long time? Was it really quick? What can you tell us about what that feeling was like? I know you can't get into too many details, but...
1: Um, I'm pretty obsessive in in keeping track of every contract, having a digital version of it and and every piece of paper. It's just, um, I'm very organized with the filing system and the paperwork. And so from the legal perspective, it was really quick Mm -hmm. because when you have to disclose all your, your information and your financials, I just sort of said, here it is, like it's ready. Um, so that made the process quite easy. There were some um, tricky components uh, when you go through an acquisition that you have to figure out. But at the end of the day, um, both parties were uh, super easy to work with, and yeah, it was a, it was a fun it was a fun process. But what is the what's um, kind of deceptive is everyone thinks that the signing day is the most exciting day at the company. And I wouldn't even say that that day is a top 100 moment in that company's life cycle. Wow. So there were many, many, many more exciting days than the final signing day. Um, it's not, it's, it, like, it's great, it's wonderful, but um, at the end of the day, it, it's, not, it's not why I build the companies
0: in this particular acquisition, did you have to stay on for a period of time afterwards as the CEO, did they want that?
1: I was uh, able to move on to my other company and that was sort of part of the deal was um, I wanted to move on to Pluto Yep. and uh, I was able to walk away the next day and um, it, it was, uh, yeah, the, the, it was a good situation.
0: Yeah, what was the emotion? What was the primary yeah. emotion?
1: Um, Someone or sometimes people always talk about, it's called founder's regret, Uh that once you sell or leave or exit a company, you have this regret. And I was anticipating that I would maybe have that, but I never had any of that. And I've never looked back once. And the reason that's the case is um, I was ready to move on. Mm -hmm. And when I signed those papers, and I looked back on the previous three years. I had given every single piece of me. So there was no regret that I could have worked harder. I could have done this. I could have done that. It was, you're just exhausted and you're just like, every every kind of ounce of you was given to the company. Yeah. So when I left, and that was kind of how I know that was the right decision. The, the next day I woke up, went to my other company and I've, I've never looked back. So um, I w- I was ready to move on.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good story and a good emotion to kind of end on. And you're probably excited about your next business. Very excited. We're going to talk about right after our speed round. Okay, excellent. Okay, all right, ready? Yes. Whatever pops to mind, you just shout it out. All right, describe yourself in a couple words.
1: Uh, Ambitious, motivated, um, hardworking.
0: Okay, what motivates you?
1: Um, The opportunity to uh, build anything I can think of.
0: (laughs) What keeps you up at night?
1: Um, Not having enough time to build everything I want.
0: (laughs) Who's been the most influential person for you?
1: Family, so parents, brothers, uh, and girlfriend.
0: Great. What is one thing in business that you're so happy you did?
1: Uh, Realized very early on that your employees are absolutely everything and to treat them properly and that you can have the best idea uh, and uh, the most money in the world. But if you don't have people, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. What's most important for your mental health?
1: Personally. No, that's a good question. Um, oddly enough, being able to work. Okay. Um, so allowing me to work 18 hours a day if I have to mm-hmm. um, and not taking a break. Uh, that's actually, it's, odd, it's kind of backwards, but yeah, letting me work is actually uh, soothing.
0: Yeah. Okay. What's one thing you were wrong about?
1: How easy it is to manage people.
0: <laughs> yeah. How do you continue to learn and grow?
1: Um, being open to absolutely everything and not forming biases and trying to be um, unbiased in every situation and being able to say that, you know, I was wrong and being able to learn from that.
0: Yeah. Where are you in 10 years?
1: I hope doing what I enjoy most, building companies.
0: Mm-hmm. What does being a leader mean to you?
1: Um positively influencing others um yeah actually yeah that's probably it
0: <laughs> chris that's our speed round amazing easy you were really quick
1: yeah those are, are good impressive. questions
0: <laughs> you know it's funny because when your mind is working fast it often kind of sticks on a few points and for you that was like around a lot around people mm-hmm. right and and even when you said uh, like you being allowed to work for the hours that you need because actually that helps your mental health because you're probably yeah. like getting the things done that are boiling in here yes. right in your head. Um, but that involves people because yes. I think when you're saying that, you mean like your partner, your girlfriend, the people in your life, they don't get mad at you when you're doing that. So, you know, how, how, is, how hard was that to find people around you to, to <sighs> allow you to, to have that space?
1: So specifically my girlfriend, when she met me, I was studying for the MCAT. And she thought maybe, you know, she's going to be with, with a physician as well. And she has seen the growth of, of two companies now. And what's been amazing, which I I, I just can't um, uh, really understand how she has never complained about anything ever. <laughs> and there have been instances where I've been like four hours late to something, like right. not like 20 minutes. Right. Like, you're like way, 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 way late. Like it's done
0: by the it's time like, you get there.
1: It's like lights are off. Like right. it's, it's over. Um, and she has never, ever ever complained about anything. Um, And I don't take that for granted because I know that that is like rare. Uh, But she allows me to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the flip side, I, I realize that. So then in the moments that I am with her, I am with her. So I'm not on my phone. The phone is off.
0: Right, that's an important aspect of it for sure. Because in my mind, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking, how does he maintain relationships with these many hours, right?
1: (laughs) Most would assume that I'm maybe single or that no one (laughs) would put up with my crazy schedule, which I like understand. It takes a certain individual to date or marry an entrepreneur because it's, I I will never be home at 5 p.m. ever.
0: And you will very rarely even know what your schedule is for the day.
1: It's, yeah, some days you have a whole schedule and the actual schedule that day is completely different than what you anticipated. So yeah. you need someone that's willing to, you know, things change and, and happen and you need someone that can understand that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And solve those problems with you when they come up and deal yes. with it together. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So now you've moved, you have great support, you've had a yeah. great business under your belt already, and you're moving into using machine learning and algorithms to changed people's experiences, and you started this business, you know, at the same time as you were describing as selling your last one, mm-hmm. Pluto Ventures. But this was a few years ago now that you started Pluto Ventures, and no one's heard too much about what, you've, what you're what you secretly been up to. So explain, like, what, what has been Pluto Ventures? What's the journey of it been?
1: Yeah, Pluto Ventures is... Uh, it's a funny company because we're three and a half years in and like you said, no one knows what we do and um, it's kind of different from any every other company that I've ever built where on day one, um, you think of the idea, you build the website, you tell everyone, you know, I've always been interested in how machine learning and artificial intelligence can solve problems. And so the purpose of Pluto was to take that technology to solve problems. And so I began incubating Pluto for about a year inside the Snapchat filters company's office. And we were just going through iterations of building products, seeing what they could do, amazing products. And I would drive my developers nuts and I would just shelf that product and we'd build something else. And where we are today is, um, and you you did an amazing intro uh, explaining this, Everything is moving towards hyper-personalization, whether that's your Amazon homepage, your Netflix feed, the the pesky ads on Instagram. And at Pluto, we believe your body dimensions, how you look, the shape of your body uh, is a key component in customizing goods and services. And so it took us three years to build a really simple tool that captures all of your body dimensional data in a few seconds with a unbelievably high degree of accuracy. And then the big question is, well, what do we do with that data? And there's kind of two thoughts to that. You can enhance existing data sets to further customize uh, goods and services, or you can build entirely new products. Right. And so there are two sides of Pluto. There's an enterprise side where we're, we have a product that plugs into existing services. And then there's a really fun uh, side that we're building our own, our own product as well.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really interesting to kind of delineate the two because there are people who have started businesses with some kind of goal in mind, like the ladder that you've described there, but that actually stop whatever they're building to just be a data business. Mm. Like the data is an industry now, right? And that's, I think something that's quite new for many people to like wrap their heads around. So once you have all this data that you're capturing, you do have like (laughs) automatically a second stream to what a revenue stream would be for you.
1: Yes. It's got You got to figure out what What do you do with the data? Who wants that? Who wants the data? And that's always been a question is, um, that's actually the exact question I always ask um, is who wants this data and who can use this data? Mm -hmm. Um, And so then there's been obvious choices and and opportunities of, of that. But I've also seen that there's an opportunity for us to do something on our own.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So you have My Body Dimensions and now you have a product or service you're building is it are we we're talking about it here today for the first time, first time. Chris, What have you just launched?
1: So we're building something that I never thought I would build because I understand how complicated this is to build. but we are building um it's really a fashion first uh, uh, shopping e-commerce platform. And what it does is it curates your shopping experience um, to show you people with similar body dimensions and shopping behaviors. Mm -hmm. So you can really imagine it to um, Instagram shopping or or shopping online. And your feed is curated to see people that look like you. And the trend that we're actually um, hitting on is when you go to a website and you want to buy a new item, you go to the uh, review section. And You always look at the other reviews, and you see that this person is five foot 11, 180 pounds, um, there's a photo of them wearing the shirt, and they're like, they're wearing a medium. You're trying to figure out, how, how would that look on me?" And yes. you say, mm-hmm. "I'm going to wear a large because I like it a little bit more baggy." So we've digitized that trend, and we've built a, a whole e-commerce platform, and it's incredible.
0: It, it, it sounds incredible and you know I was taking a look at what you've allowed me to see in advance and it's it's addictive already and it's you know and I'm I was seeing it before we're even talking here today before it was even kind of launched live so that experience that I think people run into and, and a lot of women like all the mm-hmm. all of my friends our, half our feed is on Instagram or other platforms is women we follow for the clothing because we like the outfits they're wearing and we get inspiration and we save them and whatnot. But they are often model size women that we're following, like a size zero, right? Which most of us are not. Mm -hmm. And so with your tool, we can follow people that are our same size like you were describing. And that whole, you can skip that whole part of like trying to find in the reviews the scroll bit of who's like you. Um, But so to those listening that haven't kind of seen the prototype yet, this is essentially like a social media platform in and of itself, but mm-hmm. meant for you to find fashion.
1: Exactly. That photo that you would upload to Instagram already with, with your new outfit on, um, you would upload that photo to our system mm-hmm. and you would tell us that you're wearing, um, you know, a, a shirt that's a, a large from this brand. You would tag the items. Um, and because we know your body dimensions, we can then show other people that photo and say, here's someone that looks like you. Mm-hmm. Um and they're wearing a large, so you would be a large. But what's also interesting is we can show people uh, that you maybe like their style, but you're actually not their boy dimensions. Ah. And so we can actually say that here's someone that you like, you like their style. Um, they typically wear a size two, but because we know your dimensions and their dimensions, uh, maybe you're a zero.
0: You would tell us we're a zero or we're a four yes, or whatever instead. Exactly. Wow. Okay. I'm I'm afraid of how much time I'm going to spend on this website. <laughs> um. As you were building this, were you thinking that you wanted to build another customer-facing tool?
1: Pluto was supposed to be a, a quiet B two B business-to-business enterprise behind-the-scenes tool. That's just um, the sort of a magical tool that that does this 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 thing that we that we can do that people
0: could like plug into yeah, what they're doing. Okay, exactly.
1: We had no intention of being consumer-facing. Um, I had that consumer-facing fun with my last company, and it just got to a point about three months ago where Um, I just kind of got fed up. I've I've talked to, you know, 200 brands around the world, the biggest brands, and we're talking about different integrations and options. And I just got fed up of everyone moves so slow. And I just said, I'm gonna build the platform. We're gonna build it. I have the right team. Um, And we're just gonna do it ourselves. And we just decided to, three months ago, just begin to build this thing.
0: Which is wild because what you said earlier is, Pluto's been around three, three and a half years. Mm -hmm. This final idea came more recently. You've kind of been iterating for this whole time. How do you sustain that much of a business without revenue coming in? Now you've released this great thing that you're clearly really excited about that's sounding very cool, but how have you sustained a business that long?
1: So unlike my last company, um, we have had zero revenue in three and a half years. So we have um, investors that have given us money. They believe in the vision and the opportunity and... um, it's it's such a different mindset than a company that generates money because at the end of the day, uh, and which most people don't realize, I have people to report to. I have I have a boss. Now you have investors to report to, unlike boss.
0: last time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So
1: we need to hit milestones and goals, and we have to show progress. Um, and there's like an addition additional pressure on me that I that I have to like you know make things happen. Um, and so we've had investors that uh, has given us. Uh, funds to uh, basically build out what we're envisioning.
0: And so now explain what the revenue model will be mm-hmm. once it's alive now at this point. So how
1: do we actually make money, right. um, which is what the investors uh, are Like happy I'm not
0: paying to use the app, right? No, so, so
1: it's free. It's, it's just like, like a social Instagram. media platform, exactly. like a shopping area. Yeah, yeah totally free for users. Um, and we actually will pay you to post on the platform. So the interesting component is uh, through affiliate marketing. So if you post an outfit and you've tagged a Club Monaco shirt on it, Mm -hmm. and if someone else comes to your post and says, hey, that looks good on her, I'm gonna buy it myself, uh, and then clicks through from your post to Club Monaco and purchases the item, um, Parallel, which is the name of the app, uh, actually gets a piece of that commission. And we will pay the content creator a piece of our commission as sort of a uh, thank you for for being part of our community. Wow, yeah. So we would actually pay you a portion of what we earn um, through the platform.
0: You know how when people talk about social media, they think like, I wish I would have gotten on TikTok day one because I would have been able to have like so many followers. And maybe I could have had like affiliate links and made some money. Yes. So you're hearing this right now. This is like literally just launching. So if you get parallel and yes. you start uploading pictures of you, you could genuinely become like one of the main first people on there and make potentially some good coin. It's
1: it's fun because I actually, um, I'm telling my friends, you should sign up for this service and grab the, like, the name, username, like Chris or Sam or whatever. Right. Because you have this odd opportunity where you can be the first first Sam on the platform. Right. Which um, You don't need to be
0: Sam123. Exactly. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you can yeah. be the
1: OG Sam. Yeah. And um, you're absolutely right where... So I started... T- I had two friends last week. Um, we wanted to begin to stress test the system to see what, what could our servers handle. So I had two friends. I, I called them up. I-, I told them what we were doing. I said, I need you to get a f- just like a few people, like just like 10, 20 people. Um, we... We have had hundreds of people sign up uh, and I've actually told my friends to like stop and they cool said it. we've stopped. But every time you invite someone, they can invite other people. Right. And we actually had to upgrade our servers this week um, just because of usage. And we're, not, we're, we're just beginning to launch um, some of the features in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's beginning to happen. And wow, it's exciting.
0: It's exciting talking to you about it. Tell me too, you were saying, you know, how retailers will give you a cut if we find their items. So just to be really clear to people, like you upload these pictures, you're tagging your sizes, and then it's very easy. You can literally click a URL to go right to that real item in the store. But how do you get retailers to trust you and be willing to give you a cut from your, you know, brand new website they've never seen in action before?
1: Um, someone else has well. solved yeah. that problem for us, okay. so we have been uh, we've been approved and we've been accepted into they're called affiliate networks, and so there's other kind of middlemen that have um, already. Uh, I guess um, got these contracts with these other companies, and so there's a third party that helps us facilitate those those exchanges. Uh, so we have over nine thousand nine thousand five hundred brands in our system at the moment, um, and we have affiliate uh, partnerships with uh, thousands and thousands of them already, mm-hmm. uh, and the main ones like Nike and H H&M and M uh, and Lululemon and and all the big brands, but also the smaller ones too. So uh, we want the, the small local brands as well on mm-hmm. the system.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I mean, that all makes sense. It is very exciting. It's exciting. From the beginning to now, going back to how you were saying, like, again, it was a lo- many years before this product actually came to be what mm. it is today. How did you go about genuinely getting like good user research and understanding to pivot to get where we are? Like, why did you not end up launching something a year ago? What made you truly know it wasn't ready, but now this is? Like, g- explain that journey and how you Ooh. get the real research.
1: Oh, that's tough. Um, and that has just simply been a feeling in me so we've actually built i think seven or eight products at pluto and this is the first one that sees the the light of day and um and don't get me wrong every product we've built has been amazing and i think they do quite well but there's always just been this one thing and it's it's a big piece of that is um when i talk to other companies and you're always like learning and gathering data data, there was always a, a one component that was not perfect and I just, or what I keep telling my, my team and the motto at Pluto is, we are here to build something great, not just something good. Mm-hmm. And so I, I keep pushing the team. I'm saying we have the opportunity. We've get we're in a position. We have this chance to build something great, actually special, amazing. Um, And that's what we're pushing for. So Mm -hmm. uh, it drives software developers nuts when you build a product and you shelf it. Uh, But we've been building products, iterating, learning, iterating, learning. This is the one.
0: Yeah, exciting. This is it, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the people side then, because I'm curious, like your last business, you have quick wins, right? People can see the product going out, the filters going out, and people giving you feedback like, it works so well, we're so excited. In this case, it's the literal opposite. You've had years with none of that like feeling of seeing something come to fruition, which so many people want to see. But at the same time, in speaking to you in advance of today, I learned that in the three and a half years, you've had no one, no employee turnover at yes. Pluto Ventures. How the heck did you achieve that? Because people usually want that win, yes. or they kind of burn out or feel like they're missing something.
1: It's um, out of every stat of every company that I have had and, and have, no turnover from employees at Pluto in three and a half years is actually the one of the ones that I'm most proud of. Um, and that stems from culture. And when you have a workplace and environment where um, you're transparent, you're open, um, you know, w- within the company, everyone at the, at the company knows all the deals, all the, all the funding, everything that's happening within Pluto, wow. everyone at the com- at Pluto knows that. So all the employees know that. So from the outside, it looks like nothing's happening but when you're in it, um the 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 feeling, when you're in the office on like a Tuesday afternoon, it is just, it is just buzzing. There is uh it's just you can just feel the excitement. So it's it's tough when you're outside from an outside perspective, it looks like nothing's happening. Right. But in the heart of it, oh, it's it's flying. It's And like, they knew
0: they were working towards something that was going to be truly yes. amazing. So they wanted yes. to almost, they almost wanted to stay more to get to that point.
1: Yeah. They um and the, the speed that we move at Pluto, uh, we probably move five to 10 times faster than a typical tech company. So um, the speed we build things is incredible. So you see it when you're there, you see things happening. Um, and it's quite a special environment.
0: Give us some like obvious cultural do's mm. and don'ts at a company.
1: Um, so something that you know, founders and and owners always uh, skip over because it takes time and effort is taking the time and effort to learn about your employees, understand what ticks them off, what motivates them, what makes them happy, what do they actually like care about, and it's often not the money. Um, And so sitting down, talking to them, having um, formal uh, review sessions, Mm -hmm. but also on a Friday afternoon, just like hanging out with them in the office, um, taking the time to learn about your employees um, allows you to actually build an environment that they wanna be in. So that is like the strongest recommended, um, I guess, uh, do that I always say to founders is, honestly, give a crap about your employees. Um, On the flip side, Don't treat them as these people that are trying to generate money for you. Once again, go back to the mindset of you're there to serve them. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to build the environment that they can work, that they can excel, that they can grow. Um, I tell my team that I'm up front with them. I push them really, really, really hard. Deadlines, expectations. um, But I tell them I'm pushing them because I can see what they can become. And I want to get them mm-hmm. to that next level, so I I push them. We 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 push the whole team uh, to be to the next level, to get to the next level.
0: Yeah, that's such a good a good anecdote there too. And I know from my past experience as well, and working for some interesting business founders in my career, and we one of the biggest things too was asking not only like what they would like motivate them, but yeah. how they like to be rewarded. Yes. So you know you might have a pizza party every Friday. Yeah. Are all of your employees, moms who actually would way rather not hang out in that pizza party, but gone home an hour early to be able to pick up their kid and go to their soccer game? And that actually would have made the difference way more. Understanding how people want to be rewarded and really listening is such a key component too. Huge. Because not everyone enjoys a pizza party. 100%.
1: And and pizza parties are such good examples where you can be paying someone a ton of money and they get the fanciest computer and, and everything would be wonderful. If you tell them we have a pizza party on Friday... And you don't have that pizza party, they will be more upset about that than everything else.
0: Even though they have like all the best, everything. everything. Yeah. It's it's the it's, it's the promise.
1: It's the promise. It's the small things that matter. Mm-hmm. And then you make a great point. Some people may want to go home. So give that option to people. It's just the environment is so open um, and transparent that it it it's it's everything about the company.
0: How do you do you schedule time to lead your people?
1: Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, no, because I actually believe that everything that I'm doing in every moment is is leading. Okay. So, um, for instance, last night, we were there. So, Friday night, we were at the office. The uh, Most of the team was there until about 10 p.m. I'm there with them. And so... Uh, I'm you know, when they, i the last one there shutting off the lights. So I believe that my actions are mm-hmm. leading mm-hmm. and um, I actually do very few like stand up, hurrah type of, it's more of like, I'm here with you guys, let's work.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that proving that you're gonna work like harder than them or, yes. or at least as hard is really important when you're asking a lot from people, especially. Yes. Chris, in what instances would you recommend to people to mm. outsource work mm. versus just hire internally?
1: That's a great question. And, and I, I come across a lot of companies and, and startups that are outsourcing. I've mm-hmm. always um, done everything in-house because I can find the people that can do it. And I believe at the end of the day that that culture aspect is so important. So instead of outsourcing a software development project to someone overseas, I would rather create that job in Winnipeg, hire someone, two, three people, uh, and create you know economic, I guess, development in Winnipeg than just outsourcing to overseas.
0: Yeah, and that's exciting for us. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Great anecdote for local. Um, Chris, in this particular business, you did mention that you raised money to start up. Um, Why were people willing to invest in something that had like no grounds to it yet? Give us a sense of how you actually got that money in your hand.
1: So it's not for every investor to invest in a company where it's just um, an idea. So if you can find the right investors that believe really in you, and I've I've always said this that my investors they're not investing in Pluto they're investing in in me and mm-hmm. and, my, and my team and um, obviously having a track record of success helps the situation um, but yeah it's it, it's not for every investor and, and there's investors that say this is like an amazing opportunity you know take take this money and and do what you want with it um, and there are other investors that say you know we don't have the the right um, metrics for us to invest and we're not going to invest so. Mm-hmm there's kind of two sides of the pie there.
0: And then once you have that venture capital, what's the difference for you now as the leader? It's,
1: um, that is such a serious, when, when I take someone else's money, that is such a serious action that I only take it if I'm 100% confident that um, I can get a return on that money. Mm. And so for the first year of Pluto, I funded it because that it was such a, um, uncertain time of the company, mm. it didn't make sense for me to take any other money. And I had people that would email me being like, take my money. Wow. And I said, no, 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 no. You don't want to do this yet because I need to figure out some things before we do that. Um, so taking money from other people uh, is a serious, serious action and you you have to make sure you're ready to do that.
0: Yeah. So the first year you funded yourself, how many team members did you have during that time? Yeah, it was a team of
1: five. Okay. um, And um, yeah, funded myself. And and that was really the the learning and crazy R&D phase of Pluto. Mm
0: -hmm. That sounds like a very exciting phase. And now, Chris, you have many businesses under your belt. You've given us kind of some good tips along the way here. People have been listening, but... What would you say at this point is like looking back or even clearly you're still growing things. You've got a lot to go still. I can feel it from you. A lot of businesses still to come. Um, What are some general like starting a business tips that you would give people having kind of learned along the way yourself?
1: There's always three things I I tell people when they want to start a company. Um, The first one is to solve a problem. So many people start a company and they're not solving a problem Mm. and that usually doesn't end well. So that's the first step. Um, The second step... Uh, do something that you have domain knowledge about. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, uh, and you know, I'm not proud of this, but I take my car in for an oil change because I don't even know how to change my car's oil. Right. Um, so I will never be starting a car company in any sense mm-hmm. because I don't know anything about cars. Um, whereas e-commerce and websites and tech, maybe that's, that's more my domain. Um, and then lastly, uh, do something that you're actually good at And if you're fortunate and lucky, what you're good at is actually what um, you're passionate about. But it's really important that those are two separate things. So I'll give you a really good example. I am very, 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 very good at cutting lawns. My lines are straight. (laughs) The edges are perfect. It is like I'm very, very good at cutting lawns. But it's not my passion and I don't want to cut lawns for for 60 years. Mm -hmm. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of an example of... um, Kind of two separate uh, opportunities there. So uh, if you find something you're good at and you have passion for, waking up Monday morning at 8 8 a.m. is really easy to work 18 hours a day.
0: What about if people say to you, like, Chris, that's great. I have this thing. I know I'm passionate and I'm good at it. I have domain knowledge. It's solving a problem. But I have zero dollars and I'm afraid.
1: So... I always say you got to figure out really, really quick if that idea is going to work. Mm-hmm. And there's so many resources today, and so easy to build um, a website. There's so many um, templates online that you can build a website for free for 14 or 30 days online. Right. And you can start a business for honestly almost zero dollars these days. And you can find out very quickly once you talk to customers and and you you have your product or service. Is this going to work? So there's this misconception that you need a million dollars to start a company. Um, Actually, I believe that money is the least important thing. I think that the the timing, the team, the execution, the idea, that's way more important than the money. Mm -hmm. If you need the money, well, if you're that desperate, you can go find the money um, and you know, obviously in, in legal senses, but um, if you have to go work a second job or go cut some extra lawns or s- shovel some snow, go make that extra two $300 a week um, if you really, really, really want to start a company.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, people listening to your story too might think like, well, Chris has had all these great successes from a young age, must be nice or whatever, right? Like maybe you had different opportunities, but... I think anecdotally, you've told me like you drive a car that's, you know, 15 years old and has rest on it and you lived at your parents' house for a long, Yeah, yeah, 17 years old. Okay, so right, it's like, it's not all the roses that maybe people see from the outside. What's that? Have you had to restrain yourself in life to put things into your business? Like help us understand the other side of the coin.
1: Yeah, everyone um, assumes that when you're a a founder, a tech founder, a tech CEO, that it's this lavish lifestyle and it's this sexy lifestyle. Um, It's quite the opposite, Um, as you said. So, yeah, my car out front, uh, there's rust on it. Uh, I I just moved out of my home. Uh, I was fortunate that my parents allowed me to stay so long. Uh, You know, a a year ago, I just moved out. So, um, I think, once again, when your mindset is not for the money, it's quite easy to not care about that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to build a company just for the money, you can easily get sucked into it. Yeah. Um, and I always tell people, if you want if you want money, just go work a, a job. Don't, don't start a company for the money.
0: Yeah. There's certainly a lot of different pressures yes. that come with this side of the coin with being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great anecdote. I think that's important that we shared that at the same time, yes. right? So, because um, I know there's a lot of myths about starting a business. Yes. Do you have any others that come to mind?
1: Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's a lot of work. Uh, and I think people don't realize and uh, I, I work 18 hours a day, seven days a week. And when I was, you know, mid-20s, early 20s, I was skipping Coachella. I was skipping parties. I was um, I was missing fun things because I was working. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think people realize how much work. And yes, don't make, get me wrong. There's There's businesses you hear about that you work nine to five. They're amazing. They blow up and it's easy assume that that's not your business right. and assume you're going to be like me working every second of every day. And if you don't want that, then, then be a number two, be the, 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 the second in command, the third in command. You don't have to be number one. And I actually, I've had a few really good friends that are very successful that tell me um, they never want to be number one. And I even say, I think you'd be like a good founder. And they say, no, 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 no. I see what you do, Chris. Yep. I would never want to do that. I'm okay being a number two or a number three. Mm-hmm. That's fine. The the hundredth employee at Facebook will make more money than most founders of any company ever will. So, wow, really? Hey, yeah,
0: because yeah. they're guaranteed a certain amount of money.
1: Yes, and they get to go home at five p.m. and their lifestyle is is much better than that founder that stays there till midnight, yeah. um, worrying about everything.
0: Do you believe that good founders have this like have a certain wiring in their brain that they just kind of were born with?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. I think that. Erin always says that founders are a little crazy. Um, I, I think you have to have a little bit of crazy to to do what founders do. Yeah. Um, I think they're I, I think they're a special breed uh, of craziness. Yeah. That, that yeah. has to happen.
0: Sure. On that note, Chris, what is your future as a founder? What's the future of Pluto Ventures and Parallel, and what's next?
1: So. I view the next, so I'm, I'm just turned 28, so I got about, let's say, uh, 50, 60 years to keep building companies. <laughs> All right. And that's sort of how I view it. And at the end of the day, I just want to um, work with an amazing team, building products that are providing value to others mm-hmm. and having the freedom to be creative and, uh, uh, you know, um, iter- uh, I guess like do research and development and iterate and, and do product cycles. That's what I wake up for every day to do. And um, I just want to keep building companies. I'm like, like addicted that. to, I, I'm kind of addicted to this, the, the hardest phase, which is going from zero to one. And I love this, the challenge of taking an idea in my head and trying to figure out how do I actually make this into something? And that is what I'm, you know, actually quite addicted to doing.
0: Yeah. And that makes sense. I think that is that unique thing that you have, right? Because so many people have the zero, they have the idea. Yes. They have no idea how to get to one. How
1: to get to that. And in in my head, it's like getting to one is this very simple series of steps that I have to do. But when I try to explain that to someone, they say, that's crazy. And so um, for me, that's just how I'm wired. Going from zero to one is a very, um, very easy step for me.
0: Well, Chris, you're, you've just launched this exciting app. There's lots going on. Do you think that if people are listening and think, wow, I want to work with this guy on some of his businesses, are you guys going to be hiring, do you think?
1: Yes, we're always hiring. Um, I was actually joking to someone about this. We, I've never actually done a job posting ever at any of my companies. Wow. So it's always through word of mouth, a friend. I, I message a friend and say, like, hey, you know, I'm looking for this type of person. Uh, I have amazing people and resources that can... That you know, uh, provide uh, employees and and people to me. But um, I always just say, you know, reach out to me on on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, I've met people that have reached out to me and I've hired them two, three years later because it just wasn't the right timing. So I, I just sort of say, you know, if you're interested in sort of maybe a hectic, crazy, fun environment, Um, reach out to me and when the time is right we can make something happen
0: All right, there you have it reach out to Chris you can find him we'll link to all his many websites and projects in our our show notes and Chris that's it thanks for being on the show today wonderful thank you for having me if you enjoyed today's episode and want to learn more about our guests visit startpodcast.ca and be sure to rate and review us wherever you're listening if you're new to the show and want more Canadian business inspiration subscribe before you go Start Canada podcast is produced by your host Margot Miller with audio and visual creation by EventPro and support from Dunar Systems. Start Canada podcast is powered by the Manitoba Technology Accelerator and Tech Manitoba and sponsored by Scotiabank.